0: Yeah, I, I'm a sergeant in the Army and, and I sort of drank the Kool-Aid on, on the Army's philosophy on leadership. And, and there's something in the non-commissioned officer's creed that we talk about a lot, which is in, in the non-commissioned officer's creed, it says all soldiers are entitled to outstanding leadership and I will provide that leadership. And that's a mantra that we really wanna bring over into everything that we're doing. Like All people are entitled to outstanding leadership and we will provide that leadership. I, I, I really believe that if we have more filmmakers, if we have more creative directors, if we have more record producers who understand and bear the responsibility of leadership well, that we'll just have a healthier business, we'll have a lot less burnout and working in the creative space won't be the uh, emotional schlag that it has become known as over the last 100 years.
1: That's Mark Sunderland talking about his philosophy of leadership. Not surprisingly, learned the best leadership school, the U.S. Army. We're talking animated shorts today. We're talking being brave. Welcome to First Time Go, I'm Benjamin Ducek. The water is fine, let's jump on in. I'm joined today by Nathan Raghu, director of the short film Splash and creative executive at Whale Animation Studios, and Mark Sunderland, executive producer. In this episode, we talk about how the story of Splash and their production company, Whale Animation, came to be. Can a four-minute story touch your heart? It most certainly can. And what's the market for animated shorts? Can it be a calling card for a new production company? I'm betting it can. The logline for Splash is, a young harp seal pup must find his courage to overcome his fear of the water he was born to play in. No problem here with courage for Nate and Mark. Hope you enjoy our first episode about an animated film. Good day, gentlemen. I'm joined today by Nathan Raghu, director of the animated short Splash and Mark Sunderland, executive producer. So glad to have you guys on today. Splash is... A beautiful piece of filmmaking, and I can't wait to talk with you about it. Before we do, Nathan, I'm curious how you got involved in filmmaking.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having us. And for for me, honestly, it, it started, it, as silly as it sounds, it started as a, being a, a kid growing up in the 90s, and kind of that golden age of family films that were made for kids and families to enjoy together. You know, movies like rescuers down under toy story, even, even live action films. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie fly away home about a dad and his daughter, and they're leading up a, a herd of geese South for the winter kind of thing. Like just really nice quality, inspirational, motivational family films that, that kind of came up at that time for me when I was a kid of just, that love of storytelling, getting in there very quickly and kind of in, in embedding itself, you know, into into who I am and and what I wanted to become when I grew up. And as as I got older and started to play with cameras and those sorts of things, I pretty early would make a little stop motion animation with my friends, setting up action figures or Legos or, or Play-Doh or whatever it was to kind of make some little, just absolutely terrible but fun little snippets <laughs> of things, and then. You know, you progress into high school, and we were running around. I had a buddy with a cowboy hat on and an American flag cape, and we were doing like these little superhero snippet things for our for our youth group. And it it was never something I ever thought I could make a make a career out of at the time. It was just just a love of just creating something and 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 learning the process of telling stories. And it just kind of it it grew more and more. And and as I became an adult and had opportunities to to work in in production and to work on movies myself it it was
0: like this is where i gotta be
1: that's awesome and mark a a lot of the folks
0: that get into this are like you know have similar stories to nate where they're playing with cameras and in high middle and high school and you know making little videos and stuff i I have a very different kind of experience my my first ever video i ever made was in film 100 in in film school (laughs) 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 i've never made anything before that i
1: was it a required class, Mark, or did you just take it like as an elective?
0: Uh, no, I actually went to film school at SCAD having never made a video or really touched a camera or anything. Wow. And I was inspired by the extended edition behind the scenes of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and <laughs> just seeing the way that Peter Jackson was able to achieve such an incredibly deep and detailed a picture of the, the Tolkien world through leading a team of just experts and, and passionate professionals. And, and that's really what attracted me is I, I saw a way that I could use my sort of natural abilities in leadership and communication to drive vision that could be so impactful. I mean, I was, I was so impacted by those movies, you know, and, and it's just a really cool opportunity that we, we get to tell stories and to do that as a, as a big, you know, sort of cohesive team. So that's, that's how I kind of got, got in.
1: Wow. That's great, diverse stories there. And Mark, how did you come to know about the idea of Splash?
0: So the Splash story was originally written by one of our our writers and who is, is, is a mom. And yeah, she just has a great perspective on kind of the moral tales that she's telling her kids and 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 that's really like kind of where a lot of the inspiration at whale comes from is from people who want to tell stories to their kids that have these great messages inspiring for for those kids and, and and teaching them just kind of how to be humans and citizens of the world and and so I first heard about it you know kind of as a basic concept and you know we we got together put together the team and and created what you see
1: it's gorgeous it feels like a poem it's a story it's like four minutes long, feels like it's a very in-depth story for four minutes. Nate, can you talk about your involvement with it? And for the listeners, can you give them an idea of what they'll see?
2: Yeah. So so the short film of Splash is a 2D animated film that goes back to kind of that classic feel of animation where you it's we're using modern technology to make it happen, right? It's done with computers, it's done digitally, but it was designed and, and the purpose of it was to feel more like the classic hand-drawn animations of the 70s, 80s, 90s, the stuff that a lot of us grew up on or, or saw in the past that kind of brings back that, that storybook nostalgia feel. I, I think for us and, and for, for Whale, on both splash and a lot of the other projects that we're doing we we like that 2d animated feel quite a bit because it, it's something that viewers when you instantly connect with it when you when you as soon as you see it you instantly connect with this idea that oh i'm i'm watching a story it's almost like when you're a child or you're reading a storybook to a child it's story time so when you see that that two-dimensional animation up there, it kind of brings that back. And that was important for us too, especially making something, you know, Splash is really focused towards children. We wanted to to make something that they would instantly connect with and instantly be drawn to and be excited about. But the story is about a young harp baby harp seal that's afraid to go in the water. So very simple, very, very nice little story. He sees the other seals playing off in the distance. He wants to be able to join them, but The water is scary. It splashes up on him, gets him wet. He backs away in fear. His mom tries to motivate him, but ultimately it's him himself that has to take that courage to leap in and really get into the water where he belongs and where he's going to be a happy seal. And we do this, we tell this story without any dialogue. again, it was really important for us on this project to present something that we could show to kids anywhere and at any age so it's a it's a visual storytelling in in the short there's there's no words that are needed there's audio and the seals make noise and you have the the sounds of the world but it's mostly just in the visuals that you see and then we accompany it with a very beautiful score that our that our composer henry cavalier made and did live recording of the instruments to put together to help kind of go along with the story and and develop as the story develops so well
1: Wow. That's a great answer. And it's such a gorgeous film. So Nate, can you walk me through what the process is for creating an animated short? Like, is it like, where does it diverge from regular? Obviously you're not filming live action, but I assume you storyboarded everything. Like, can you talk, assuming the somebody knows nothing about an animated short, can you walk through what that process is like of directing one?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is something that was to, to be totally honest for us when, when we initially went into creating this, this short film, which is really kind of the, the establishment of our, of our company as a whole. I mean, this is really our, our Pixar lamp, if you will. It's kind of, it's the first foray into this. It's our first presentation to the audience that, that we want to put out there for people to enjoy and kind of see where we want to go ultimately with the stories and things that we want to do it well. And for us, both Mark and I and, and a lot of the other people on our team, to be honest, all come from live action movie world. I mean, we've worked on some really incredible sets, you know, from top level commercials to, you know, I've worked on some of the biggest Marvel movies. Mark and I met on on Spider-Man Homecoming, actually in a water tank, doing some underwater shots. And so it's like you, you look at some of those things and we're like, cool. That doesn't tell us how to make an animated short film, right? Like, exactly. There's... There are similarities in storytelling and there's similarities in in how you know you're going to structure shots and those sorts of things. But there is more differences and similarities in, in animation to live action. And one of the biggest things, honestly, is when you're when you're looking at making a live action movie, you have a very clear defined pre-production, production, post-production timeline that you're going to work in, right? You're going to start with all of your planning, your storyboarding, your script, then you're going to go right into it. And you're going to shoot it, right? You're going to all the things that are entailed in the, in the production process. And then you have your post-production process where you edit and do the, the, all of those, those aspects to it, the sound design and the, and the music. When it comes to animation, you don't have nearly as clearly defined as a critical path. You really have to take all three of those aspects. And honestly, you have to kind of do them at the same time. If that makes sense. And it's, it, that was something that we had to learn, right? You have, we had to learn, okay, well, you know, we have to storyboard, but when we're storyboarding, we have to think about, you know, the, the, because if we want to time this all of the music, the music, we have to have a rough draft of the music to do, to put with those storyboards. And then we make an animatic that kind of puts the storyboards with the music and the timing. And if there's some critical sound effects, we want to know where that lies, right? We don't have to do all of it, but we have to at least do some of it. And then you start animating certain pieces and seeing, and, and it's a little bit of a back and forth. And, and honestly, there was, if we were to make Splash again right now, I would do it. There's, there's not to say that we could make it a lot better, but I could definitely do it more efficiently because there's things that are learned along the way, right? There's a little bit, for this being our first, for our first foray into it, there was a little bit of a, a, a learning curve there.
1: <laughs> wow. That's really interesting. And so, Mark, what's the market for a film like Splash? Is it going to festivals? Are you using it sort of as a calling card to raise investors for your production company, all of the above?
0: It's a little bit of all of the above. I mean, obviously, there's not the same kind of marketplace for short-form content as a whole as there is for long-form content. But there, there, there are more monetizable opportunities for short-form animation specifically targeted at kids than, than there is for any other kind of, of, of short-form sort of content. And so there is, you know, kind of a marketplace for that. And on kids' platforms, you know, kind of one of the more popular places is like in-flight kids' entertainment libraries. There's places where kids will watch content that, that's, that's that's short form and animated and geared towards them, whereas there isn't as much of a market, monetizable market for the adult consumer. But it, that's all very secondary. The purpose of this film is it's a proof of capacity for the company. And so it's really a calling card. It's going to festivals, it's going in front of investors for other projects. It's a proof of capacity. Hey, we know how to tell a great story using these tools here's the sort of power of our team and it's a great way to set the tone for a conversation about the company as a whole a conversation with uh, sales outlets for long form content in the future or for specific content that we're trying to monetize so really everything else is sort of on on the outside of that and at the core of it it's this is whale this is what we can do. And not only this is what we can do, and what we do from a from a technical execution perspective, but the story itself actually says a lot about the soul of whale and the soul of the kinds of stories that whale is trying to tell. These moral stories of, of inspiration and bravery and community. And so it's it's a little bit of the 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 raison d'etre, as well as: hey, you know, we've got fantastic artists and a great process to to put these things together.
1: Wow. What a great answer. I love that so much. And it, it's so cool to see great art being put out for a great purpose. And don't you feel like there is some sort of disconnect? Mark, I'll start with you in terms of like, so there's a ton of consumers, right? Like everybody all day is consuming short films, whether it's Instagram reels or, you know, YouTube videos, something like that. But then like, the creators are told you need to create features you need to create like longer form in order to like make your make your money it doesn't feel like there's some sort of disconnect between what people are consuming and then what creators are creating and perhaps you know whale can help solve some of that and mark i'll start with you on that
0: yeah that's that's an interesting point the The push towards feature-length content or even serialized content is really all driven by capital risk. It's very expensive to make animation. It's very expensive to make live-action content. And the path to revenue through discovery platforms like social media is just not as clear-cut and easy to underwrite for banks and investors and so unless you've built up a pretty significant following, there's not really a path to revenue for short form content on those on those platforms. Do I think consumers want the, the, the content? Absolutely. But the purchase behavior just doesn't support the financial model to where it makes sense for a company like Whale to spend a few hundred thousand dollars on twenty products like this that they're then going to aggregate through TikTok and and Instagram that actually works better for shoulder content that's used for promotional purposes as an advertising expense versus trying to get revenue out of assets. So really, it's always going to come back to to the capitalization problem. And how do you get investors and bankers comfortable with where the revenue is going to going to come from. Do I think that's going to change and is changing? Absolutely. Do I have a prediction? I, I'm not so bold as to say that on, on the record. <laughs> but, uh, but but that's really where the breakdown lies is, is in the capital risk. And, and how do you get financiers to be able to understand and see a clear path to a return in a discovery platform?
1: That is brilliantly said, Mark. I don't think I've heard it more concisely said about the current market than you just did uh, wow there's so much to think about there, Nate, what are your thoughts on disconnect between those consuming media and then the creators yeah it's it's hard right because as as creators
2: we want we want to create that's that's in our nature it's what it's what we want to do it's what drives a lot of these decisions and and even the direction of of The projects that we that we dive into and and the media that we want to put out there and we want to put out as much as we can and and have people see it that's that's why we do it what's what's difficult and where the rubber meets the road right is is very much so in those in those situations that mark's talking about where it's it it comes back to is it profitable is it sellable if you know it's netflix or or whatever streaming service you know are they going to be interested in putting it on putting that on their platform because ultimately, you know, we have a whole team of people that we want to be able to keep, to keep employed and keep working. And if we can't get those projects we can get funding for those projects. We can't do it. And I can't, I can't keep the, that, the amazing artists that, that work with us and help us make these beautiful things. I can't keep them working and they're ultimately going to have to go find work elsewhere And, and maybe they're working on things that they they don't want to make, you know, they, because they have to, they have to instead just keep those bills paid. And so it's, it's, it's hard for, it's hard for creatives and it's hard for, for businesses like us to, to really, you have to focus just as much on that business side as you are on the creative side, because you have to be able to come up with a way to make this, make what you're doing sustainable. And, and again, I, I do think there's a lot of there's a lot of demand for shorter form content. It was just like you're saying. I mean, everybody's seeing all this short form content every day, whether they're aware of it or not. And there's a, there's a lot of things that are, are developing that are keeping that churning that and, and that to become a, a bigger focus in the future. But what's difficult is how to figure out the monetization of that to where it makes it something that, you know, would be worth us investing in and trying to do more of you know really because go even going back to splash we could put splash on a on a TikTok reel or whatever and it's a little bit outside of that length but unfortunately you know the views that we get from that would pro- at least at this point would probably be pretty low you know for us right now we're kind of in this phase of like let's get it to as many festivals globally as we can try to get the word out about what we're doing build that audience so then as we do post little promotional reels for other projects or short content things that we put up now maybe just because of having that audience our viewership increases maybe some of those things get monetized and and so it's that's a very difficult question to answer unfortunately and I wish I wish I had a better answer for it because I do think there's a need and it's difficult for creatives to fulfill that need in a way that's going to sustain them to continue doing it.
1: I think both of your answers are brilliant. So I, I think you're doing well on the insight. So the film ends just saying proudly made in Georgia. Mark, could you possibly talk about what the relationship is with Georgia? Would you encourage other filmmakers who are listening elsewhere to move on down to Georgia to work on film?
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. I'm, I'm originally from Georgia, so I'm a little bit of a unicorn in our, our business. Most people are new blood like, like Nate coming in from, from Denver originally. And so as a, as a homegrown local, I, I had a little bit of a, a unique perspective because the growth of the industry here has basically meant that I don't have to move like Nate did, which is great. There's a lot of really positive things happening in Georgia in the production industry. We're very proud to be located in Georgia. We're very proud of the community that we're a part of. And so that's, that's, that's kind of where our identity and alignment comes from. And th- the difficulty with Georgia is that we, up until this point, have been a secondary market. And we still are. We're the number one production city in the world. But that's all outside business for the most part. Those aren't projects that are being developed and funded in Georgia. And because they're not being developed and funded in Georgia, they're primarily only hiring technicians and craftspeople. They're, they're not really jobs for writers. There's not really jobs for, for directors. There's not really jobs for producers. And, and there's not really jobs for uh, people in the post, post-production sector. At any sort of volume that makes it make sense for people to move their operations if they're in the development or in the post production phase to to Georgia. That's changing slowly as we're starting to see the the capital market move. And that's really the secret to this, this whole deal is that the reason why Los Angeles, regardless of their tax incentive structure, regardless of their state policy, always has a sustainable amount of development and post-production jobs is because the infrastructure is there and people like Steven Spielberg don't want to live out of a suitcase for nine months to edit their movie, even if they're willing to live out of their suitcase for five weeks to shoot in Morocco or or to shoot even in in Georgia. They're willing to pay a 10% premium to sleep in their own bed, which I understand. And so I think as the capital market grows, that's the water of the civilization. We're piping in and trucking in all of our water to build our to build our production community in Georgia by bringing in the capital from outside of our market. As capital starts to grow here, companies like FilmHedge, companies like Gala Media start to grow. The investment community in Georgia starts to understand that film and television is not actually a high risk asset class, it's a medium to medium low risk asset class that's more competitive mathematically with alternative real estate than it is with cryptocurrency, then I think once that that education comes into the capital market and people start seeing the real economic multiple of not only having the spend here, but also having the return kept locally, that's when we're gonna see an uptick in development and post-production jobs. And so what we're trying to do at Whale as seeing that curve start to turn, we're trying to position ourselves to be one of the early adopters that really rides that wave. And we're fortunate that animation has a little bit of a leg up in Atlanta just because of the existence previously of Turner, adjacent companies like Cartoon Network, companies like the production studio that does Archer. So there's just a little bit more infrastructure on the animation side, even though it's an offshoot of sort of linear broadcast as opposed to being in sort of the, the main silo of the film and television community. but. Those bridges are starting to come in the capital is starting to become educated and so i think we'll see a pretty significant uptick in investment in locally grown and sourced content over the next three to five years and so whale is set up putting that identity on display so that when investors finally get their head around uh, kind of the returns that are possible and what the real risk structure is whale will be there ready to execute and make those guys a bunch of money
1: wow Like, I I just feel like there's no way you may, you know, maybe emails aren't responded, but I just feel like Mark and Nate, if you walk into a room and then you explain it this way, there's no way somebody comes out of that meeting with you guys being like, eh, they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't done their homework. (laughs) I mean, like, there's no way that that cannot happen. Wow. I'm like, I'm sold. I'm like ready to move to Georgia right now. We appreciate it. (laughs) Wow. So gentlemen, when, when. Can we expect to see Splash like at a festival or screening somewhere?
2: Yeah. So we just so splash is very recently finished. We finished it literally at the turn of the new year. So we we just started our submission process to festivals. Currently we are submitted to of uh, almost 40 festivals globally. And then that number is going to continue going up as we, as we approach different deadlines. You know, we want to be able to spread that out a little bit to help costs and such, because it is expensive to submit to festivals, but we did get our first acceptance letter back. So the very first festival that has accepted us is kids first festival in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So that'll be the first one. I actually need to double check when that when that festival happens to be honest i should have done my homework on that one a little bit better it's in my list somewhere but i have so many dates going on with these different ones that it's hard to keep track of right um, but that was the first one they they just accepted us so we're very excited about that they actually have kind of sister festivals in honolulu hawaii at the university of hawaii and in ukraine as well so there's a potential that it may play there as well we're waiting to see but we we will be posting uh, as we get accepted into these festivals we'll be posting where where we've been accepted and and where people can see it and the dates of that. And as, as anyone that wants to come out and and see the short film, we would love to see you at those festivals after we've done a festival run. Most likely we'll probably post it on our website, but we want to make sure that we have a nice kind of year or so in that festival run to get that out there, build that network, try to meet some other really talented filmmakers as well. and, And hopefully some other animators as well. And just, keep going from there.
1: Awesome. And I'll put the links to your socials and website in the show notes. So individually, what's next for you, Nate, starting with you? Like, if there any projects in the works that you want to highlight? Yeah. So we,
2: we're,
1: we have quite a few projects. Right now, we are
2: in the, in the basically the development and pitch phase of, of a lot of our, our projects. It's important for us to get these series that we're developing to get one purchased by a platform that's interested in it so that we can start really hitting the ground going being able to expand our team and, and adding more of the talent that we want to add in and be able to to feed the company and to start get telling you stories we have one show that we're really excited about is called quest of heroes which is about a a group of gamers that play inside of a game world and we get to see the struggles that they're going as they're playing in the game They that kind of overlaps into parallels into their real life. For instance, we have one one girl that's at risk of losing her collegiate soccer scholarship. And as she plays and goes through the game and has to fight this dragon, she kind of is reminiscent of these challenges of like, if I can go take on this dragon in the game, I can go kick this winning soccer goal and hopefully keep my scholarship. And it just kind of plays on like the fun, uh, nerdy tropes of video games and friendship and coming together and also this idea that like you can have friends with people that maybe you never met in real life which is kind of a new thing that a lot of people in the in the gaming world and and kids and stuff get into and just uh, motivational lessons and and those sorts of things so that's one fun series we're working on and then we have another short film that we're actually going to start in the summer called tiki tiki feud and that's a story about two rival tiki statues on the side of a Tourists stop in Hawaii by a waterfall. Oh, cool. And every night they come to life and they grab different things to decorate themselves and, and try to, for the next morning, win the favor of different tourists that show up and they're competing to see who can get more pictures. And it's just like this fun rivalry story where ultimately they learn that competing is not the right way. and They got to come together and they ultimately get much more pictures when they come together sort of deal. So that's kind of some stuff we're working on right now and that we're really excited about. So, a lot of work to be done with with those things.
1: brilliant. And Mark, was there anything else that you'd want to highlight? I
0: guess personally, I'm excited because I, i've I've recently become a doctoral candidate in in business at Georgia State University doctor program. So I'm excited about that, and I'll, I'll be writing a dissertation on leadership in the creative space and how Creatives don't really develop themselves as leaders. They don't identify as leaders. The only thing that most creatives know about leadership is that they're currently being led poorly. And something that we believe at Whale and something that Nate and I are very aligned on is that ultimately our job as leaders is to inspire, motivate, and empower. And so we've been very successful with that at Whale and at our other production endeavors. And so I want to be able to make myself creditable, credible to be able to help other people develop themselves as leaders in the creative space. So I'm excited about that. And that's, that's more personal. It's, it's, it's tangential to everything else. But as far as with whale, my next project with whale that I'm excited about is actually a feature length film called Jeff, the bear currently in the scripting phase, but Jeff is a background singer in Nashville. He does his job is he, he sings on female pop led records. The octave down of the melody in the stack, and he's happy just helping, and he loves his quiet little life. But then he <laughs> uh, he's hit by a moment of inspiration, writes a hit song. It's released without his permission by the record executive, who is kind of the the villain of the story, at least in in the in the conflict. And then, so then he's thrown into a decision about what to do, whether to to pursue a career as a performer or to go back to his quiet life. So excited about developing that one out. It's going to be a fun one.
1: Wow, that's so exciting, and I, I think the leadership thing is so important. I don't think people filmmakers who embark on these journeys really think about those kind of elements, but it's so important, right? Uh, like because you are leading, like if you're directing, if you're executive producing, it's a pretty large team that you're leading, and you know I think the easiest way to never be able to make another film is go over budget or not be reliable. On the I, I think those kind of things are missed on like. What Who's able to make the next movie? you know it can be a great film, but if it you know you pissed off all your investors, they're not going to give you a chance to make another film. so I, I well, think that's and, really exciting
2: am I, I I, I kind of wanted to add to that if I could jump in real quick. yeah, um, is we very you know mark myself, one of our fellow producers, Kyle Woodiel, in the process of bringing people into the company and and a lot of the individuals that we get to work with. Everyone down from background artists to the the character designers, the animators, the sound designers, we've really been very forefront on trying to find people that are very passionate about what they do and doing our best to invest back and not just have them do work for us, but invest back to them as much as we can to help them develop their, their leadership ability and Give them tasks and and trust their skill set. Listen listen to them. Allow them to provide feedback. And particularly with Splash, there were some really great opportunities from some of our people that they provided some feedback on. We would we'd have meetings and be like, hey what's something we can do better here what where are we kind of failing and they would provide some really nice feedback of like hey well you know this is going really really well but have could we look at maybe trying something like this to make this process more efficient or whatever and that was just huge right and and they felt really valued and and listened to and that ultimately helped us provide a better product And in, in the end one individual I'd love to give a shout out was our our Absolutely. background artist Sophia on on splash who did all of our background work just an absolute incredible artist in talking with her uh, And she's actually located in in costa rica So while a lot of our producer team and our main our main team is located in georgia We do have people that have worked with us from all across the united states and and out, outside of the country as well But sophia talking with her and going through some things She was catching things in the film as we were making it and providing some little feedback like hey did you catch that this this moment we should maybe tweak that animation just a little bit and we ended up promoting her to the animation uh, supervisor, kind of overseeing. A, so in her credit, she has she has two credits there to going back and helping us provide that final layer of critique and everything. And she just did a really good job, and we were excited to give her that opportunity to to help her and in, in her career as she does this as well, and ultimately again help us provide a provide a better product. And I think that's really important in filmmaking in general, is that and and going back to what Mark's saying with the creative leadership is that it's such a team effort. And it takes every person doing their part and doing their part at that expert level to make something great. And if myself as a director, if I'm just like, well, that's not how I wanted to do it. My I wanted to do it like this. And if I don't give somebody that opportunity to interject or provide their feedback then i could miss something really great and i think for us and and something that we're really trying to instill in whale and in other projects that we do even outside of whale and and as we hope to build up better leadership in the creative industry as a whole is we want to be able to just encourage people to utilize those creative people that you're bringing onto your projects for a reason you know you have them there because you're trusting that they know what they're doing let them do what they they do and listen to them and and allow them to to really flourish and, and provide greatness to
1: that project. Couldn't agree more. Mark, did you have something you wanted to add to that?
0: Yeah, I am a sergeant in the army and, and I sort of drank the Kool-Aid on on the Army's philosophy on leadership. And and there's something in the non-commissioned officers' creed that we talk about a lot, which is in in the non-commissioned officers' creed, it says all soldiers. Are entitled to outstanding leadership and I'll provide that leadership. And that's a mantra that we really want to bring over in- into everything that we're doing. Like all people are entitled to outstanding leadership and we will provide that leadership. And so when, when I have the conversation with, you know, folks that are 10 years younger than me who are looking at getting into the business, Hey, I want to be a DP. Hey, I want to be a director. Hey, I want to be a producer. Most of the people they're talking to are going to say, hey, read In the Blink of an Eye by Walter Murch. Hey, you know, watch this movie. Hey, you know, I say you need to read Drive by Daniel Pink, which is the science of how to motivate people. You need to be able to understand how, just like just like in the Army, you know, that 18-year-old private is doing, they're, they're sitting there over their rifle staring at the woods. If they don't understand why they're doing that and how that small menial task is supporting sort of the vision and the direction of the whole organization, a kid's going to fall asleep. But if they understand how they are empowering the whole organization to be successful by doing their part and doing it really, really well, they're going to stay awake and alert on, on the security line. And it's the same in any other realm of leadership, whatever you're doing. Your job as a leader is to help people understand how their piece is moving the vision forward. And that's that's really what drive by Daniel Pink is about is this, the science of intrinsic motivation. And so I, I really believe that if we have more filmmakers, if we have more creative directors, if we have more record producers who understand and bear the responsibility of leadership, well, that we'll just have a healthier business. We'll have a lot less burnout and working in the creative space. Won't be the uh, emotional schlog that it has become known as over the last hundred years.
1: I couldn't I couldn't agree more and as you gentlemen were talking about like making sure every single member of your team feels like a valid and uh, important part of the team I thought back so I uh, was also in the army and I deployed as a platoon leader to Afghanistan 2010-11 and we shot uh, all day you know most days we shot like over 700 fire missions and one of the things that I really took away from that was that you know when they would call in like the grid or whatever you know 98 percent of the time i would say it right send it to the guns all right but there was like maybe five to ten times where like there was like an e3 who you know i had the same philosophy like make sure every single person on our team feels valued make sure anybody can stop the fire mission anytime for safety whatever not, not feel like oh no somebody's gonna get mad at me and i think there were like three to five fire missions in there where were had transposed a grid number or something like that it like and like that would have you know we were the only platoon that didn't shoot out over the whole and i think it was because just empowering every single person at a few of those times they were like hey lt man this is this is messed up and it's like somebody could have died if they had not like stood up and said like hey stop and if they felt like they were going to get consequences for doing that. And I remember thinking like, holy shit, that is like so important. Like, and so it, it's so wonderful to hear that you guys take that kind of thing to heart through through your leadership. So, so inspired by that story. I think it's, I think it's really exciting. It's a, definitely a great way to lead and couldn't be more inspired by that. <laughs> so uh, this is an indie film podcast. I love highlighting other people's projects. Mark, starting with you, is there like an indie film or filmmaker that you wish more people knew about?
0: <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that. <laughs> I, I, I directed a feature film that I'm in the process of selling right now. Okay, yeah. And so I definitely want people to know about, about that. But no, I, I would say <laughs> I I really I really like it's not it's not really like uh eh, an indie filmmaker at all, actually, but I really like well, was not even remotely an indie filmmaker, but I, I really like Ron Howard. And the reason why I, I like Ron Howard, and why it's relevant to the question is because Ron one is a great leader. And, and two, you can't you, you often don't know you're watching a Ron Howard movie until the credit card, because he molds his style to the story and i think especially in the indie film market right now there's such a pressure on filmmakers to have a distinct voice and and while there's value to that i think that the role of a director is to tell the story and to give the the story the right tone that the story deserves and i think ron does a great job of that as far as indie filmmakers who who sort of aspire to that same class of storytelling. Some friends of ours, Michael Pollard and Isaac Lee are known as, they they go by the Easy Brothers. They've got a great movie that they're selling right now called Jack and Ava. It's kind of like a Southern small town Bonnie and Clyde story. It's phenomenal. So hopefully they get that sold somewhere that that, that everybody can see it. But check out the Easy Brothers, their trailer for Jack and Ava is online. It's fantastic.
2: Wow. And Nate? The shout-out that I wanted to give indie filmmaker-wise is a really good friend of mine and a friend of Mark's and kind of a, a lot of people on our team. And I don't get to work with him nearly enough or at least as much as I'd want to. I get to work with him a, a decent amount, but not as much as I'd like to. But it's a friend of mine named Michael Cook. He's a really talented director and uh, director of photography. He lives in New York. He comes out to Atlanta every now and then. We get to work together on some projects. I've been able to light some some of feature films that he's... Been the director of photography on, and I got to do some some lighting on a short project that he did. That's a kind of a proof of concept for a much bigger project called Freeman Hospitality, which is a really cool film that's kind of takes place in like if if there was going to be a Revolutionary War again in the United States, and you have this this kind of uh, family of uh, resistance fighters that are they're kind of in the middle of of southern georgia holding the ground and and operating in this in this environment it's a really cool sci-fi post-apocalyptic story that's done really really well really great cast and just some some fun visual storytelling from him and very thought provoking as well to to just kind of the human human nature and and why and you know why we would fight over over Kind of seemingly ridiculous things that can get blown way out of proportion, and but he's just a very talented guy, and you can find his his website is Mike Cook M I K E C O O K E dot TV.
1: Wow, this has been amazing, gentlemen. The film is Splash. Nathan, Mark, I'm 100 percent sure you're going to be successful because of your views on leadership, your drive, motivation, intelligence. Just I'm going to go run. Six miles at <laughs> right right now because I'm so inspired by <laughs> what you're doing. But thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, and I look forward to talking with you again as you continue to release films and you continue to grow your production company. Like, thanks, gentlemen. Uh, really inspiring today.
2: Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for for setting this up, and we were very excited to kind of share with you a little bit of what we do and 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 what whale animation is up to and the short film splash and again this is this is a kickoff for us and we're just looking forward to everyone that's gonna see and, and hopefully enjoy this short film and please follow us and and keep an eye on what we got going on because we're looking to, to bring a lot more great stories and just as much quality family motivational
0: content that we can possibly put together yeah thanks so much for having us ben really appreciate it
1: Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, please give the podcast a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. It's free and helps expand the reach for the creators on the show. Expanded membership is available through Director's Club. You get access to season one, early episodes when available, and other subscription benefits. Sign up now through Red Circle. The link is in the show notes. Check out the podcast YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch a select number of episodes of the podcast and the indie film highlight posted every Sunday, thanks again for listening and helping creators get their first time go.